0: Open-ended by definition means having no predetermined limit or boundary. This show's purpose is to get you closer to your dreams by sharing practical chats with people living theirs. We also throw in a bit of adventure, success and well-being for good measure. I'm your host, Scott Bidmead, a journalist and entrepreneur from Australia, and we're in this together. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome back to Open Ended, coming to you from Los Angeles, the craziest place on earth. (laughs) I'm really excited to bring you this episode. Today, we're joined by the effervescent Lisa Messenger. That's a cool word, isn't it? Effervescent. Lisa is the vibrant, game-changing CEO and founder of Collective Hub. She's also a highly regarded author and speaker. I actually wrote a feature article for Lisa's magazine, Collective Hub, back in the day. It's a bit of a small world. And, uh... Yeah, I was really looking forward to this one. I think Lisa's been huge in the entrepreneurial mindset business space for a long time. Great to see someone just really pushing the envelope and trying to ignite the community in Australia and the entrepreneurship startup space. So yeah, we chat to Lisa about her new book and the concept of working from wherever. We speak about finding your purpose, failing forward, and we have a lot of laughs I'm like a lot of laughs. It's great. (laughs) I find Lisa not only inspiring but warm and inviting. So she she just really lives and breathes her beliefs and her purpose. And I think that's just Yeah, it's great. We can take so much away from her story and everything she's doing with Collective Hub and what she's doing now and with her personal brand. So sit back, grab a tea or coffee or beer, why not? And enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us on Open Ended today. I'm really excited to hear about your adventures and your projects and your new book, which we've just had a little sneak peek of. I actually had a bit of a read of the intro uh, earlier this morning. So I'm very intrigued to, to chat more about that and everything else. But yeah, how was your recent trip to Make Peace Island?
1: Ah, oh, look at you guys. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I decided that's where I'm definitely getting married. Yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. I was there nearly two and a half years, three years ago with Richard Branson. And yep. um yeah, which was amazing shooting him for our cover. And then um I was invited back two weeks ago and yeah it was just me and my partner on the whole island. So that was pretty special.
0: Oh, wow, I can <laughs> yeah. imagine so it's very
1: cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. an amazing place. Yeah.
0: And um this is a bit of a, a bit of a hard hitting question, but I've wanted to know it for a long time. <laughs> why <laughs> why did Richard Branson <laughs> Get into a mermaid uh-huh. suit and please tell me the story behind this. I've-
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So um, I don't know how much of that backstory you want, but uh, do you want the backstory or the. Just, just a, the a
0: condensed version the, the mermaid suit.
1: <laughs> oh God. Okay. So. <laughs> Richard was out here and we co-chaired the Virgin Way Conference in Sydney at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. And then I was meant to shoot him for a cover for Collective Magazine straight after. And then he and his PA, Helen, were like, come up to make Peace Island for the weekend. And it just happened to coincide with World Ocean's Day. And he was doing <laughs> something with, who is it, Vinnie from The Entourage or whatever, um, the TV show. And they yeah. were both, I think, putting mermaid suits on. So... Richard had to get into the mermaid suit. I was there with him having breakfast, so he's like, "Can you help me get into the mermaid suit?" So it's quite a random situation. Yeah, um, yeah, and trickier than you might think to actually don a mermaid suit. Really? There you go. That's <laughs> so good. Of, like, jumping around on two feet, trying to get in and me trying to like hoist him in. And yeah, it was yeah something that doesn't happen every day. and lots of laughing. Yeah.
0: I feel like you've had a lot of those kind of experiences in your life from the things that I've seen. Do you ever just stop and pinch yourself and think, how did I end up here? Like, how did this happen?
1: You know, kind of. I was saying to my um, partner when we were staying up there two weeks ago, and it was funny because it was actually for the Noosa Food and Wine Festival. And, um, it came through the Nusa Food and Wine Festival, the tourism guys were like, "Um, do you want to stay on Makepeace? Because, you know, we know you've been there and we know you know Richard. And I was like, yeah, cool. That'd be amazing. Thanks. And I just thought, I mean, Makepeace only holds 22 people, 10 rooms, Mm -hmm. but I just imagined there would be loads of people there. And we arrived and all the staff who I know from being there before, and they're like the most beautiful humans on the planet. They're like, welcome. I'm like, where's everyone else? And they're like, no, it's just for you guys. And I was like, wow. wow. And I said to my partner, like at that moment, I was like, and he's like pro- a way more clever entrepreneur than me. And, um, but I was like, do you not just like, this is a pinch yourself moment. Like, you know, just stopping and appreciating going, wow, look where we are. And look at these amazing people hosting us and looking after us. And he's like, so unaffected and so beautiful that he's like, yeah, I guess it's pretty cool. And I was like, come on. So I think we both try to move through life, like appreciating things all the time, but also just going, okay, yep. Thank you, universe. Thank you, universe. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. There's pros and cons for both ways of thinking. I think when you just expect that everyone is equal and that you can keep stepping more and more into your purpose and flow, then it just seems to happen naturally. And you don't make yourself feel less than this mm-hmm. is, you know, and also at the same time, it's really important to kind of go, thank you. Wow. Gratitude. You know, we have must have achieved something to be in this position and stop and think that. But yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And I and yeah. I feel like you've you've had a remarkable ability in your career to pivot and change direction but still hold true to your values and the core beliefs. Is that did that take a lot of practice? Has that been intentional? <laughs>
1: uh, yes, a lot of practice, a lot of failing. <laughs> yep. Making friends with failure a lot. Um and I guess, you know, it's kind of a learned thing. I think when you um keep stepping you know further and further into your purpose or me into my purpose you know you hit roadblocks along the way and so naturally um I've built up of certain resilience and tenacity and ability to keep going and pivoting and I'm also sort of perpetually surprised at how much um I just kind of managed to Go with the flow i mean it's only just over a year ago i had a 600 square meter office and 32 full-time staff and now i kind of work from anywhere work from wherever the title of my next book and um it's not until i consciously go wow that's actually quite a different lifestyle that i um stop and consciously and purposely think about it and be present to that moment but otherwise i don't know i kind of think i'm a bit of a chameleon and i adapt but the one thing 100% which I wake up with every day is what is my purpose and that is to be an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs living my life out loud showing that anything's possible so that that's what keeps me going and grounded and I'm like however the hell that manifests and however Mm. it takes shape and allows me to step further into that well I'll just go with it but yeah I mean when when you step into big crazy things like stuff happens that's beyond that mm-hmm. control but all we can control is how we respond to it so yeah every day I just suck it up and keep on going <laughs>
0: that's it oh, I think that's incredible and I think and it's great that you talk about following your purpose and all that kind of stuff and following your dreams but I think a lot of people struggle to to realize what to dream about what would you say is a great place to start in terms of identifying that purpose and the why to get you going
1: Oh, such a good question, and somewhere back there, oh, there it is. I wrote a whole what? book called yes. Wait.
0: <laughs> do you want to just read the book to me? That might just be a just do a reading that's section. Well. Oh, this that's is awesome. Purpose, which sounds like a really arrogant
1: topic to write about, but it's not because I always write from a layman's perspective I'm always like hmm how would I find my purpose and then I'll write a book about it or I or I'm in it and I'm really trying to reverse engineer yeah how did I get there and it's actually that is fascinating because because I feel so wholly unquestionably unwaveringly like in my purpose every single day As a communicator, um, it's important that I actually go, well, what does that mean when you're not in it? So um, I've got a great team around me who kind of challenged me to go, but explain that if you're not in it. Like what does that feel like? How does it come about? So that is why I wrote that book, Purpose. But hmm, the cliff notes of 208 pages, I guess it's (laughs) like what I would say is nothing ever – necessarily make sense in a logical sequential order I mean I started my life as a horse riding instructor (laughs) Um, I was in real estate for a while I worked in conference and event management Um, you know I was dismally unhappy in 2004 I gave up drinking like all sorts of personal and stuff and then so it's all the life moments and the career moments that eventually make you strong enough or lead you to where you're going. And where that led me was 2004, I wrote a book called Happiness Is because I was desperately looking for what happiness meant because I was so unhappy. And through that process, I accidentally fell into um, publishing, like custom publishing books. And through that, I kind of met like so many amazing entrepreneurs and incredible thought leaders and through that, it kind of got me into, I love sharing content. I love telling stories. I love um, going behind the story and being like, but why, but why, but how, but how, how did you start? Why did you start? Um, How did you get funding? Like who supported you? How did you find a mentor? What's the supply chain? And so all these questions that I had for so many years kind of led me to my purpose of, well, I just want to kind of smush, very technical, (laughs) smush all these amazing people together and, debunk the myths of how to start a business or how to live your best life but for most people it's like that external validation piece for a while like firstly listen to what people around you are saying you'll hear it they'll be like wow you're really good at that and it could be anything Mm -hmm. or wow I really loved how you did that and you might start to take notice of that and go hmm and then you go your own internal what's going on for you internally it's like what juices you up in the morning? Like what makes you excited and want to jump out of bed? And then it's like, so, um, you know, internal, what makes me feel amazing? External, what are other people saying? Um, then it's like the third piece is could there be a market or a gap for that? And then it's like, is that commercial? I mean, that's that's an important one and that's hard because a lot of people are like, well, I just love, you know, whatever it is, painting all day and it's really exciting. But is that is there a market for your painting and is it potentially commercial or mm-hmm. and it's often hard to make those things meet, you know? Yeah.
0: So it's almost um, like hitting that recipe and then following the clues along the way along yeah. each step.
1: Yeah, and also I alluded to before, like, you know, me starting life as a horse riding instructor. I mean I love that, but I mean that if I looked back to that, like 20 years ago like it makes no sense as to where I am now except that I was getting up shoveling shit excuse me French every morning at (laughs) 4am so it's like okay well that was probably pretty grounding and that probably helped in some way for me to like get in and get my hands dirty and be unafraid of hard work you know so I
0: think the name of of another book
1: (laughs) is it something like um like nothing makes sense you know it's only when you look back in retrospect and you're like, Oh yeah, it's all those moments that actually got Mm -hmm. me to where I am. And I think a lot of people in terms of careers or what they want to do, they just look at the career trajectory, but I also look at like what's happened in my personal life around making courageous decisions to give up drinking alcohol in 2004. Like that's not about the alcohol that's about what are we doing to keep ourselves small or self-sabotage. It just, for me, alcohol and I were not friends <laughs> and it was like the worst version of me. Um, so yeah, it's about like making those conscious decisions and looking at your life path and being brave and courageous enough to harness the tools and um, to supplement your weaknesses. And we all have plenty. I mean, I have so many weaknesses and triggers and crap, you know, it's just that most of the time now, I know the things to kind of move me through them quickly. Mm
0: -hmm. That's beautiful. And and you talk a lot of, I, I feel like your books have almost signposted the lessons that you've learned along the way. And you're writing them as it's happening, which I think is incredible, which Kind of brings us to your current book, Work From Wherever. Yes. Uh, I think it's yes. super exciting. Have you got a. Oh,
1: yes, I do. Yes. It's like Very hot off nice. the press. It's not out Hot um, off the
0: press. How cool. July. And but so
1: It's, a, it's yeah. beautiful. I need to show you because it's like a magazine. Oh, Every wow. page is like, oh, it's so pretty. Oh, it is.
0: Oh, yeah. It looks, is. it's the, the collective hub vibe, but in a book. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: there you go. Beautiful. And try to work out, how do you do this? <laughs> That's
0: a good way. <laughs> yeah, it's very
1: beautiful. And also, What I was think, the inspiration um, behind it? Oh, the inspiration. Okay, so thank you. You have recognized <laughs> that I, I've written seven books in five and a half years. Um, And the Lunch Collective, I made it my mission. I was like, well, I can't have this brand. I mean, the print magazine was in 37 countries within the first 18 months. It was nuts, you know, highly saturated market. I knew nothing about magazines, blah, blah, blah. But the... So getting to this book, um, I made it my mission to go, well, whatever happens, I'm going to write about it in real time every day and turn them into books so that it is relatable, attainable, raw, real. And so my books are really the blueprint for like what to do and what not to do often. <laughs> um, and so this one, after 17 and a half years of having um, – my own business and always having an office so i started my first Mm -hmm. business on the 22nd of october 2001 um even when i only had three staff i always had a bricks and mortar office and then Mm -hmm. at the height of collective hub i had like a 600 square meter office and like huge overheads and and i had 32 full-time staff over three million dollars in fixed salaries and like it was a, it was a big expensive operation, but I still had a lot of freelancers. And mm-hmm. I just came to this realization and you don't know what you don't know until you're in it, right? So um, bigger isn't better. <laughs> and what happened was when there were 32 people in one space and a lot of people listening, watching might relate to this when you start something it's like exciting and you can break all the rules and you can take risks and you can just mess with everything like that is the most exciting thing I think about having a startup and I love that journey and everything's fluid and you just break everything and yeah it's like every day you can't get enough of working but when you move into something that is a lot bigger um it became all about systems and processes and operations and IT and HR and finance and legal Mm. and la kill me now and so (laughs) I hated it um because I went from being this little punk creative like let's break shit fast and like mess everything up and like you know to literally every time I would go into the office it was like I was reacting um instead of like creating and innovating Mm -hmm. so I was having to put out fires and react to stuff that was going on and we started hemorrhaging cash and so I'd just have to be like dialing for dollars and it was just like an expensive beast to run Mm -hmm. and so I decided in April 2018 so Uh, just over a year ago, to break everything. And I was like, after 17 and a half years of having a full-time office and full-time staff, I'm going to decentralise the whole team. Everyone can work from anywhere they want in the world. And um, I'm going to have no fixed overheads. So I cut the guts. I mean, cut the guts out of everything to do with the business so that it pretty much went back to basics. And so I almost did that like I do with all my books I came up with the title I was like work from wherever okay I'm going to work from wherever and see how this goes and I tell you what it's phenomenal and
0: yeah I'm a massive believer in the concept as well Like it was really funny when I saw the title of the book even even just for me right now like I literally I had an office set up that kind of stuff and I've recently left it let it go and now my life is literally like if I've got an airbnb A co-working space and a gym and my laptop of course um that's it like i'm good to go and it's just kind of it's so timely it's crazy even this podcast uh, we've done it in four cities now
1: (laughs) yeah so it's amazing and it's only because and i mean that collective was so much bigger so the interesting Mm -hmm. thing about that is and i'll just run through a little bit of it when i had the 32 full-time staff even my editor of the whole print magazine that came out every month she wasn't even a full-time staff member she lived in Kayama, so two and a half hours south of sydney, of sydney. Oh, she was wow. never full-time but she was managing to run it right my distribution and logistics person jody was living in mossman in sydney she's never she's been with me seven years she's never been a full-time staff member my bookkeeper kate has been based in the blue mountains like two hours out of sydney um she's been working with me about 11 years i think and she's never Spent time in. I mean, I had a CFO Mm. in the office, but I suddenly started realizing my IT guy Kevin. um, I think he's been with me twelve years. He so all these people that were like really, they were so critical to my team. They weren't even part of my full time thirty two people, and plus of the thirty two, only three people on the team had anything to do with writing. So all my writers were already freelance. So if I wanted an article written on tech in berlin i had people if i wanted a fashion article in yeah. milan so i was like why do i need all these fixed yeah. people when most of my team are working from wherever anyway
0: exactly well i've written an article for you guys in the past about the um yeah Astra- yeah yeah young australian of the years the yes. two young guys who did the the va- um orange sky and it's like this beautiful ah. where they get homeless people laundry and yeah and i wrote that i think i was in I was in Brisbane at the time and I did this story with there them. There you so go. It's like,
1: <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So I was kind of already doing it. And so then I was like, I want to push the limits on this. And, you know, the thing about it is now with Zoom, which we're on right now, Skype, FaceTime, mm-hmm. um, you know, Asana, Monday, um, Slack. Like we use so many different tools. I, everything we do is in like Google Docs, the entire 17 nearly 18 years of businesses sitting on dropbox so like we feel like we're always together Mm -hmm. because a lot of people are like but what does that do for the culture i'm like well i kind of feel like i see everyone all the time anyway and when we have to get together some of us we do but it's so far um so much more efficient and there's not kind of leakages. Everyone's working on their own budgets. They all have KPIs. We have daily and weekly dashboards where like all our numbers are running constantly. So um yeah, and it's like if you hit your KPIs, then you get more work. If you don't, see you later. Luckily no one so far has hit the see you later button.
0: <laughs> but it's yeah, it's important to have that expectation, I guess. And and yeah. give them the responsibility to fulfill their role, whether you're not because I guess as well, like you don't want to be the boss that's standing there over their shoulder micromanaging, even if they were in a physical office. So why should it be any different?
1: Exactly. And the beautiful thing, and like I keep asking my team, like my art director, Em, um, my editor, Amy, like all these people, Um, well, not so much Amy because she was never in the office, but like a lot of my team who were in the office before and are now freelance, like I check in with them all the time. I'm like, how is this? Like, why did we sit in an office? And they're all like, oh, it's heaven. And because it's all based on output now, I don't Mm -hmm. care if they go to the beach for the day or, you know, they're walking their dog or they decide to have a sleep in the afternoon. Like, so it's actually beautifully liberating for everyone. Mm -hmm. Plus they can work for other people. They can have a side hustle. Like I've just changed my entire way of thinking and it's so much more freeing and liberating.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And how do you think someone out there can figure out if this is for them? So let's say they are an entrepreneur or they are potentially in a position where this is an option. How could they figure out if it's for them?
1: Okay, so I think there's lots of things and I wrote the book, not just for like, solopreneurs or digital nomads who just want to travel the world and blog i also looked at um you know people like me who are running still a pretty serious sizable global business and by Mm. the way i have two startups happening at the moment as well cut out myself that's completely unrelated yeah can
0: you share yet or are Um, they still uh, under wraps
1: they're under wraps
0: (laughs) i could try we'll figure out soon they're
1: (laughs) they're pretty cool um, now I'm like, hmm, where did we got, where was I going with that? Um, I've lost my train of thought. So how to figure out,
0: how to figure out if it's for you and it's not just for
1: uh, okay. nomads. So yeah, so, so in, thank you. <laughs> I went up into startup land. Yeah. Entrepreneurs brain. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I've written it for like solopreneurs, digital nomads, so that kind of thing right to the other end of the spectrum and really looked at a lot of case studies around some of the biggest corporates on the planet and how are they actually managing a decentralized workforce and what kind of technologies are they doing? And also the book is about equipping people with the right questions to ask because I know so many people who if they're an entrepreneur or they're working within a corporate, you know, sometimes they're fearful or embarrassed or they don't feel you know, lack of self-esteem, all sorts of other things. So they don't feel like they want to ask their boss, hey, can I go, you know, work from home two days a week? Or actually, could I, you know, completely change the way I work? Could I just come in at 10 a.m. or could I do this? So it kind of, I want to equip people with the right, questions to ask and as soon as you change the conversation from um, this is what I want to this is the productivity and the output and this is what I think I can bring to the business like it makes it a much more accessible and easy conversation to have and it's not for everyone I mean some people thrive Mm -hmm. on you know specific um, office environments and very specific structured days and they you know they have an issue with this but I mean, I think you just have to look at the Airbnbs, Ubers, even the PWCs, you know, like so many of the big corporates who traditionally would have had a lot of bricks and mortar and cubicles, um, you know, I mean, a lot of them have in Sydney, a thousand, you know, staff, but they only have 300 desks. So, I mean, people are having to adapt and change anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's definitely something that's happening and it's kind of unavoidable. So let's embrace it and make it work for us.
0: Oh, it's so exciting. And I guess, yeah. so, so when is the book being dropped? What's the timeline? I think it's
1: the 15th of July. Yeah. Okay. So Very cool. I know, I think I get a bit excited because the advanced copies have just arrived. So I get a bit excited because I start like, and then people are like, why haven't I got my book yet? I'm like, sorry, it's not here yet. <laughs> but as
0: um, an, as, yeah yeah oh, cool and as an author someone who you know you've gone through that process a number of times how good is that feeling when you can feel it in your hands and you get the first copy is that just like a an insane experience
1: kind of it comes back to what you said before though about pinch yourself moments it's um i've become a little bit desensitized because i my output I'm putting out so many different things so when it lands I have to be really really conscious and go oh my gosh my baby mm.
0: so then <laughs> but, it doesn't um, just slip because under the I'm rug, always sort
1: of writing I'm 9,000 words into my next one right so <laughs> because I write every day so my yeah. next one is about my next startup and the process but no it's it's extraordinarily exciting and it is important not, it's not about me it's important because I love being able to have a conversation or take a different way of thinking to the marketplace, you know, and because I'm living it every day, it then gets like talked about and people enjoy it. And I think it just, the bit I love is it gets people to question their own journey and to keep checking in with themselves and go, is this, um, working for me is the is this the best version of me is there another way I can be doing it and being unafraid to break things and try different things and have different conversations so for that reason I love it and I get very excited
0: yeah and so you're nine 9,000 words into your next book already what is the do you have to have some crazy discipline to keep that system and habit in place how have you developed that
1: um so every it's sort of um Yes. See, I've chosen because I've chosen to like live my life out loud. It also, as much as sharing what I'm doing with, other people it also keeps me accountable right because I decide always on a book topic like um risk and resilience my one before I was like right the business was hemorrhaging cash and I was like I am going to write a book on risk and resilience like I came up with that title and then I was like now I'm going to live it unfortunately it didn't go quite according to plan (laughs) it got a lot worse before it got better but, and then it's the same with when I decided to break everything last year, I was like, right, I'm going to live a year working from wherever. So then I kind of come up with the topic and then I start writing about it. And so the next one um, I'm doing, I'm disrupting an entirely new industry and I'm so excited about that because once you've had a level of success, right, people are like, no, it's okay for you. You know, you've got a big brand now or you've got like big social media following or you know what you're doing. So my one of my next startups is I have chosen something so obscure in an industry. I know nothing like purposely I chose the most ridiculous product I could possibly think of. Like it's so ridiculous (laughs) Um, because I was like, okay, I believe a true entrepreneur can traverse industries and disciplines. So I've kind of set myself this ridiculous challenge about, again, crazy product. And so that book is all about like, learning because i want to prove okay yes i've got some business acumen and i've got some good contacts but so i'm literally charting that whole journey like how do you do a startup how do you come up with the idea um how do you develop a product that you know nothing about how do you find manufacturers so yeah so that's what that book's about so i'm pretty excited to like um hopefully prove that i can disrupt something like completely ridiculous again
0: yeah. And how did you pick the product itself? Did you just go through, see what was out there? What was the process?
1: Um, so entrepreneurs listening to this will know, like, you know, we everywhere we look, there's ideas, you know, and we want to solve problems all the time. You're like, you see someone handling baggage and you're like, oh my God, we, that could be a process and I could start a business in that. Like everywhere, everywhere I go, I see problems and I see solutions and so everything I see as a business opportunity um but this one was one of those moments but it was something so you're trying to get it out of it was something so ridiculous (laughs) that I did and someone that was sitting with me was like oh my god what did you just do like that's amazing and I was like is it and then for about 6 months i just kept like going oh ridiculous like go away but it's one of those ideas when it keeps kind of slapping you in the face it's like oh, okay all right i'll do something with you and at the beginning i was like this is so stupid i didn't want to be known as that woman i mean it's kind of like the pool noodle like whoever invented the pool noodle you don't really want to be known <laughs> the as pool the noodle. pool noodle guy <laughs>
0: yeah
1: but um but the more i thought about it i was like okay If I can actually turn this into something that's um, more than just the product and actually document Mm -hmm. the whole journey to prove to entrepreneurs um, or startups or anyone with an idea that actually you can do it and you don't have to have knowledge of that industry, Mm. then, well, I may as well do the akin to the pool noodle. So watch this space.
0: Revolutionizing the pool noodle. You heard it here first, (laughs) (laughs) so good. Oh, yep. Have there you go. Gone
1: from global media magnate to revolutionising <laughs> the pool noodle. <laughs> and that's the title
0: of the book as well. I can just see it now. Yeah. So good. <laughs> and um, you, you you talk a lot about you. So you broke everything, um, going through the process of decentralising collective hub and all that kind of stuff. What are some of the biggest lessons you got out of that process in terms of, I guess, failing forward?
1: Um. Never do another startup. No. <laughs> i'm kidding um i guess um you know it's good to know what you're great at but more importantly it's good to know what you're really crap at and i mean i've known for a long time what i'm really bad at and that's detail and Uh systems and processes and you know and i've known that for ages and i've
0: always had the same (laughs) yeah
1: So I've always had at least three people like really close to me who make Mm -hmm. all the stuff happen, but um, you can have that. But the other thing is, and I talk about this a lot, you've got to be a brand architect in terms of, I believe when you're starting anything, you've got to learn the systems and processes at a grassroots level and have a really solid understanding of it before you put a team in place to run it. So, um, when I launched the print magazine, I kind of like I knew nothing about print. I bought a book on how to write a magazine. Like, I, you know, Google, how, what do you do? So, but I learned everything about how to produce a magazine, how to distribute a magazine, how to market them. Like, I, and then I created systems and processes and put teams in place. So that part of it was like unfallible. Then I started to build out a digital platform for Collective Hub. And we were doing eight stories a day plus and often we were paying people $300 a story plus. And so that and then I had like digital marketers and like I had this whole team around that. Now, I didn't understand a digital media platform and I didn't take the time to learn it properly. So that was actually where the business nearly went under because it was this huge thing which was just sucking money into a vortex and I kept going, everyone just go, like amazing. And I thought I'd hired all these amazing people. But really, without me understanding it, like I literally went to General Assembly recently and I did a digital marketing course to understand. And I was like, oh, my God, now I know why that was costing me a 100 grand a day. <laughs> Often, like crazy money and not mm-hmm. making the money. And it's so obvious now. So I think it's really important, even for those of us who aren't detail orientated and we're like big, top level visionaries it's really important to understand the inner workings of your business like at least at the start in order to be able to put the right team in place and manage it effectively and also look at um what data you're looking for I mean data is everything and like now I have every day you know daily pulse checks like weekly pulse checks I know every bit of data sliced and diced within an inch of its life and it's only because of that that I can now be a Mm. creative and coming up with other big big world changing ideas and so that's what I'm doing differently now and also I was too much of a people pleaser i was kind of like oh it's okay and i'd sort of say where's the data and they're like oh it's coming or it's all right and i just kind of like was okay they know what they're doing and there's like Hmm. no more of that it's like no you show me the cold show me the cold hard data and then we can like go for gold like we can make the biggest stuff on the entire planet but i need the data to back it up or you just don't have a job anymore and I think yeah and
0: i guess that's the you've kind of learned to be a little bit more firm and it's not just about making friends, I guess, in business sometimes, you know, and especially like today's d- day and age, it's all about, you know, being positive and enlightening and all that kind of stuff and creating a good office culture. But I think, yeah, yeah, you've just hit the nail on the head that you can't forget the fact that sometimes you need to be firm in, in your approach in leadership, I guess.
1: Yeah. And, and that's probably my biggest downfall. You're right. Like, I mean, collective was just fun, and it was one big party, and like it was the brand grew so much faster than the bottom line, and it was just like amazing to be a part of. But, you know, then this when we started hemorrhaging cash, um, it's very hard when you haven't put that in place from the start with people to be like, oh hey, by the way, I know I'm paying you all this money, and like it's awesome, but I need cold hard data because they're like, what? But mm. you never asked for that before, so, so I just had took my eye off the business. ball. Yeah, and huh?
0: You had the, the, uh, So you had a beautiful community but the business started to to lack
1: exactly so yeah i mean collective hub really was and is you know it was print digital events and i was awesome at the print and i went from horse riding instructor and then i had like eight years in conference and event management so i knew how to do those two but the digi platform i just didn't understand you know programmatic and retarget, like all the stuff that you need to know to run a solid digital business. I mean, I know a lot more about it now and I wouldn't make the same mistakes, but it's really about getting the foundations right, having those tough conversations, putting in place specific budgets, KPIs, you know, um, boundaries around what's acceptable, what's not, and having your own not negotiables. I mean, I never start work until 10 a.m. and before that I have all sorts of rituals that set me up for the day, Whether it's yoga, walking my dog, Benny, who's just beside me here, um, you know, journaling, writing, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I think that's definitely a common trend. And I was laughing. I've got a
1: fabulous new PA, Tegan, and like I put in my diary every morning from 7 to 10. It says no meetings. And that's just like a reoccurring thing. (laughs) And then she was like, oh, it's such a busy week. So something snuck in like it. Um, 8 30 yesterday morning so so now I've changed it and I'm like no absolutely no meetings unless you check with Lisa first. <laughs> she's like <laughs> laughing at me I'm like but, but no means no like it's a not negotiable because she realized oh the only reason you put that in is you want time but actually that's there's wiggle room I'm like no there is no wiggle room there it's I think having boundaries and not negotiables is really important that's the only way we can um optimize our health and be our best self. So, yeah.
0: And how did you work out that that was a non-negotiable for you? Did you just think like, you know, this is what works for me. I need that morning ritual.
1: Um. So it comes back to, again, the difference between being busy and being productive. And I could start like bounce out of bed, go straight to a meeting at 7.30 a.m. every morning. Like there's plenty of people who have meetings with or catch up with the team or whatever. But I'm like, then I'm like, kind of grinding into this day without setting myself up. Whereas because I'm naturally kind of frenetic and an A-type personality who just wants to go all the time, it's like it actually is much better for me to set my day up in a much more calm do some yoga, do some meditation, um, you know, listen to a podcast, educate myself. And if I know that I've got that sort of three-hour window in the morning, then that all gets done. Otherwise, I find it's like you're kind of scrambling to find a one-hour slot in your diary to squash in a yoga class or you're like, oh, I never get to educate myself or listen to podcasts or move forward because ah, oh, there's always something else busy or happening. So just knowing that that time is there. And then you know, by the time um, 10 o'clock comes, I'm like, oh, I feel calm. I feel ready. I feel like I've done all the things that ground me and I'm like, okay, let's go. It's on.
0: <laughs> wow. That's so yeah. good. And I guess that helps as well. Have you seen that that routine and ritual has changed since leaving the full-time work? Uh, so like the office and the setup into this new kind of way of working and living? Have you Have your rituals changed at all? Have you adjusted them?
1: Yeah, I have because when you go to an office, you have that sense of purpose, or you have somewhere to be at eight or eight thirty or nine or whatever your start time is, and you grab your coffee, you walk into the office. There's people there to high five you. You sit down, and you know you do some kind of thing through the day, and then you leave. But um, it's really important to still have a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging and a sense of being. And you know what is it that you're going to do? So for me, you know, I think. People shouldn't underestimate that. Um, it's like, you know, if people suddenly think, well, I'm just going to work from home and, and or travel the world and have this great life. It's like, well, you still need to know what you stand for and what you're trying to do. And also you may have to, um, you know fake things a little bit in terms of instead of going to an office make yourself go to a yoga class at eight o'clock every morning or just make yourself get out of your house and walk to your coffee store and say hi to another human or whatever it is so it becomes I think more and more important to have ritual and routine so that you're not just like I don't know sleeping till 11 or like opening and closing the fridge all day looking for food or <laughs> vacuuming or procrastinating So don't underestimate the power of that because I know a lot of people who've decided to go from full-time work into freelance, and they're suddenly like, "Oh my god, I don't know what to do with myself. I feel isolated. Yeah. I feel my, lonely." My brother said
0: it to me the other day. He's just like, "How do you like? How do you know what to do when to do it? Like, how does that?" Work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Sometimes you know, you just you just work it out as you go. And yeah, I think rituals and routines are huge. And I, I, finally, yeah. I really just want to ask and get your thoughts around obviously, again, you've written a book around resilience, risk and resilience. And I think you've gone through a lot of, obviously, you know, the closing of the collective hub, the print magazine, that was a massive process. And I'm sure there would have been some downtimes in there and some some moments when you didn't have 100% clarity. What do you think are the keys to building resilience and to getting through those tough times in life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it is a learned muscle. Um, but far out, sometimes it's hard, you know, that You know, I mean, before that I'd written four books in the last, I mean, one of them wasn't that happy, Breakups and Breakthroughs, but everything else was kind of like, you know, everything was growing and amazing and, you know, I was living my best life and then suddenly I realized how much cash I was hemorrhaging and, you know, there were times when I would just, even though I had so many tools, you know, meditation, yoga, journaling, counselors, you know, like mentors, um, board members. Like I had such a great tool, but still there were times, um, through an 18 month period when I would literally just come home and like unceremoniously, like lie on the bathroom floor and just sob, like it was horrible. And, um, you know, but you just got to keep pulling, you've got to dig deep and keep pulling yourself out of that and then turn up the next day. And, um, yeah, that was, that was tough, but, um, I think everything is a learned muscle. And so what I do, and I actually wrote a lot about this in Daring and Disruptive, my first book in the series, it's almost like I've taught myself to go very quickly to worst case scenario in my head and be like, oh my God, I'm about to lose the business or, oh my God, you know, like whatever it is. Oh, I just lost this money. What There's always crisis points. And that actually is, by the way, irrelevant if you're just starting out and it's like you've got to pay an 80 dollar invoice or you've got or someone owes you 80 dollars like you can feel the same amount of fear trust me around that as you can with an 80,000 dollar or an 800,000 like it's all you become quite malleable and stretchy and i've done it on both ends of the spectrum and my fear has been probably proportionate to my learnings in life at the time so i quickly go to worst case scenario and then what i do is i go who do i need lawyer accountant CFO, mentor, spiritual guide, like so I quickly and I think this is so important for people to have people outside of themselves so they don't feel alone that they can call on quickly because it can be very isolating and lonely at whatever stage you're at. So now I'm like, oh shit, okay, you know, I'm going to call Raj who's my, um, spiritual, like he's the most grounded centered man. He's lived in India in pretty much a commune or a cult for 32 years. And if I'm like, I really need just, I call him Raj and he's like, it's okay. (laughs) Or if something else goes on, I've got Jeff, who's like an absolute ball breaker. He's got equity in so many businesses. And if I'm losing a hundred grand, he's probably just lost a meal that day. So he's like, yeah, it's all right. Just do this. So I have like different, people and that makes whatever's going on at the time feel like I'm not alone and there's someone who has been in a much worse situation than me before and suddenly brings it back to then normalize it for me. And to that point people often say to me, Who's your mentor? And I'm I almost laugh. I mean I know traditionally at people are like, oh I have a mentor. I don't have a mentor. I probably have supporting mentors like they are people who have gathered around me over the years um, who are the right people to call on in that situation you know and I think that's probably one of my most important messages is find your people find your tribe find people who've been there and done it before who can support you because Different stages you need different people like ball breaking Jeff. If I'm having a meltdown about a self esteem issue, he's gonna be like, I don't care, like, what the the?" (laughs) he doesn't care. (laughs) That might be something for a great girlfriend who's gonna give me a cup of tea and be like, it's okay, and be in that feminine energy. So, you gotta have people to help you, um, but you also so that's that external piece, but you also need to build this internal muscle of resilience because at the end of the day it's you and so whatever it takes to get yourself like fully functioning at your um, highest self-esteem and knowing that whatever happens you've got this I mean that's probably the most the single most important thing because it's interesting as many people as I know now and as many amazing people as I'm surrounded by going back into startup mode I realize how isolating and lonely it is and how you've got to like try and figure stuff out on your own. And even though you know people, it's like, wow, okay, I'm going to actually work through this. So yeah, internal validation, external validation, have both.
0: (laughs) Have both. There you go. I think that is very, very solid advice. And yeah, great thing to finish on. So thank you very much again for jumping on the podcast. It has been an inspiring chat and I can't wait to keep reading the book and to uh, figure out what's next this elusive yeah noodle (laughs) revolution
1: (laughs) thank you so much Scott I will talk to you soon
0: thank you see ya well there you have it Lisa Messenger what an inspiring motivated and driven individual heaps that we can take away from that chat and bring into our lives and, and our businesses as well make sure you follow Lisa's stuff grab a copy of her new book Work from wherever. Try it out. See if it's for you. And uh, yeah, if you liked the episode, share it around with your friends, your family, the pet dog. I'll see you next week. This has been Open Ended.